At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Whoa, he has trouble with the snap, and the ball is free! There goes Davis! Oh my God! Davis is going running all the way back! This is VEASAN's College Football Betting Podcast. Another week of college football is here, and that means another edition alongside Matt Humans at Matt Humans 247. I'm Tim Murray of the VEASAN College Football Betting Podcast. We will do it each and every week. Matt can make his joke if you don't like us. Well, even if you don't like us, just like begrudgingly push five stars, subscribe, let people know about the podcast. But we're going to be breaking down the entire week three menu here as we do each and every week. Just a reminder, on Sundays, when the lines open at Circa Sports, JVT, Jonathan Von Tobel will have that show live on VEASAN. And then shortly thereafter, that show will be on the VEASAN College Football Betting Podcast feed. And then on Monday night, early Tuesday morning, myself, Adam Burke, will take a look back at the weekend that was, updated power ratings, and maybe some look ahead and let down spots for the upcoming weekend. But let's get jump right into it. Alongside Matt Humans for the ride, we get into the main games of the weekend. We call that the main course. And just like Humans likes a nice uh, filet mignon after his show on Friday night down at Barry's. Let's jump into it. This game might have been more appealing uh, if Appalachian State didn't walk into College Station and absolutely dominate Texas Mm -hmm. A&M, Matt. This wasn't a game where it was fluky. It was actually almost fluky that it was as close as it was. This game was dominated by App State, time of possession, yardage. Now I look at this game, and I imagine the world is going to be on Miami here. Uh, as, As time of record, you're looking at Miami Getting six or six and a half where we sit at Circa, it's at six and a half. So A&M laying six and a half, a low total of 44 and a half. Uh, the, the, the total's been on a complete uh, drop here. Opened uh, at Circa on Sunday at 50 and a half. It's down to 44 and a half. 
So uh, how do you break this game down? Because uh, this is a stay away for me. It almost feels like you're, they're trying to sucker you into playing Miami here. Yeah, the A&M offense has been breaking down. <clears throat> That's how you break this game down. Even going back to last year, A&M was 88th in the nation in passing offense. And uh, right now, A&M is 103rd in total offense. And, uh, Tim, that's with the benefit of playing Sam Houston in the opener. Last week, nine first downs, 186 total yards. Haynes King is not the answer at quarterback. Uh, I found out yesterday that Max Johnson got all of the first-team reps in practice for the Aggies. I would say probably consider Max Johnson an average quarterback at best. Uh, ironically, he did, as LSU starter, he did beat Texas A&M in Edwards Round's coaching finale uh, last year. But he took all the snaps, and I think – in uh, practice yesterday, and I think that's an obvious uh, move by Jimbo Fisher. I thought he was going to make that move this week because you gotta you got to put your better passing quarterback in there to prevent teams from stacking the box against you. And um, let's face it, App State allowed 63 points to North Carolina the previous week. And to get shut down by that defense is pretty embarrassing. I think Miami has a big quarterback here, edge here with uh, Tyler Van Dyke. He's completed 74% so far. The problem his roommate and the leading receiver on the Hurricanes team, Xavier Restrepo, is out. And that news just came out today. So um, I had not bet this game yet, Tim. I'm probably going to play the Canes here, but I'm going to play the Canes at a smaller than one unit bet. Uh, I've got to see the AM, AM anemic offense get on track. Uh, before I believe it. Yeah, for me, uh, and I know Cameron Peoples of Appalachian State had that big 48-yard run, but you still look, I give the Texas A&M a big advantage on the offensive line, um, but uh, it's hard to lay that many points. You know, we talked about Iowa last week. Maybe that's a play uh, that was I was thinking about, and uh, their offense did exactly what you would expect, scored early and didn't do anything the rest of the game. So mm-hmm. we'll see if Texas A&M, who I'll say this about Jimbo, this isn't a night game. I'm sure tons of recruits will be there. He finds ways. Think back to Alabama last year, finds ways to get the best out of his team and then lays you know, a turd in the punch, uh, punch bowl against uh, inferior competition, <laughs> i.e. App State last weekend. So yeah. uh, I would be on Texas A&M or nothing. So ultimately, I think I'm giving a, a pass on this one, uh, another game that certainly has quite a bit of buzz, and it's because of who is coaching on the sideline and who is not coaching on the sideline. And that, of course, would be Nebraska hosting number six, Oklahoma. Uh, this has been a line on the decline all week long, despite the fact that Scott Frost on Sunday was relieved of his duties, despite uh Nebraska owing him $15 million in that payout and uh, dropping in half in October. So it will be Mickey Joseph who takes over for Nebraska. This line opened at circa at 16 is down to 11. I took a bite at 14 earlier this week. Uh, you look at some of the game of the year lines, uh, Chris Andrews over the South point in June, Chris put this game as Oklahoma minus three. And it's still, even with the drop, Still sitting at 11. I would imagine the public will, will load up on Oklahoma, but I know a lot of people on our network uh, see value in the uh, in the Huskers, and I think you're one of those people. I am one of those people. I, I had circled this game a couple of months ago as uh, one I thought Nebraska could pull the upset in. Oklahoma, to me, is one of the most overrated teams in the country, at least uh, the high-profile teams when you're talking top 20. Uh, I think there's a lot to like about Nebraska. Now, Scott Frost... His last 13 losses were all by single digits. I think that's pretty well documented at this point. Last year, Nebraska was 3-9. and nine. The largest margin of defeat was nine points. 
the Huskers were 22-point dogs in Norman last year against the Sooners. And Oklahoma needed a late defensive stop to secure a 23-16 to win in that game. But the coaching change angle, Tim, is uh, one that I love to play. I think a lot of people love to play. It's a new attitude. And uh, what you're going to see here is, I think, a, an emotionally charged environment in uh, Lincoln on Saturday. Everybody's jacked up that, uh, you know, you've, you've got a new era of Nebraska football that's about to start. I think the, the dark cloud that was looming, just really hanging over Scott Frost and his whole program's been lifted. And uh, that, that, to me, is the key when you handicap this game. Now, Casey Thompson, the t- Texas transfer, has not played – up to, I think, anyone's expectations so far through the first three games. But Nebraska's got plenty of offensive talent. The problem here is going to be the defense. Nebraska's defense allowed 642 yards to Georgia Southern last week. (laughs) But on the flip side, I'm not going to let that scare me off Nebraska because the Sooners have not been that impressive against UTEP and Kent State to open the season. At halftime last week, Oklahoma had seven first downs and the Golden Flashes had 11. And that was a 7-3 game that Oklahoma led and ended up winning 33-3. The final looks better than the, than the process. But Oklahoma needed a late score in the first half just to take the lead into the locker room at halftime. So this offense is really not clicking yet for uh, Dylan Gabriel and Marvin Mims. Those guys have a lot of big play potential. This could be a really high-scoring game, Tim. It's a total of 66. I, I would prefer it be a night game in Lincoln than an early morning game. Uh, but uh, that's what we've got this week to deal with. I was on the College Lines Revealed show with JVT on Sunday, and I'm on the Circa app as soon as those College Lines are posted at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, and I make my own lines the night before. I made Oklahoma 11 over Nebraska. Mm-hmm. It opened 16 here at Circa. I grabbed 14 and a half as it was, uh, you know, you're, you're trying to be quick on the yeah. trigger. It says, the line has moved. The line has moved. <laughs> uh, but I get 14 and a half. I bet it again this week. I really think this situation sets up pretty well for the Huskers uh, to be live to win this game. Take double digits and, uh, hey, take a little bit of the money line here because uh, I, think I think the Huskers got a shot. Yeah, when I uh, was on over the summer on VSIN. Uh, I played over nine wins on Oklahoma. I know you have an under nine and a half. The mm-hmm. reason was I thought this was the the, the toss up game, and you know for my win total, I really need Oklahoma to win this game. But I took fourteen uh, on Sunday as well, so I was with you uh, on Nebraska. I love the situational spot for Nebraska. Us against the world. It's a home game. You know, I think there's. Uh, there's going to be new juice in that uh, stadium, an old rivalry renewed. As you mentioned last year, it was a close game, a competitive yeah. game. And Nebraska, yes, they've lost to Georgia Southern, uh, have lost to Northwestern. Those were all close games, as you mentioned. You know, They lost, I think, by nine to Ohio State last so, year. Uh, they should have beat Michigan. Uh, I don't think they gave up a first down in the second half to Michigan State. So they can't close games, but they can keep games close. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, I would ride with the corn here, took the 14, and I uh, wouldn't disagree with uh, where you stand right now in Nebraska at plus the 11. Uh, going out to Eugene, Oregon, uh, late last uh, weekend, BYU did their best to try to lose to Baylor, missing two gimme field goals, but then ultimately won that game in double overtime in Provo. Uh, condolences to anyone who took the three and a half with Baylor, 26 to 20, the final score there. Uh, 
impressive performance by Chase Roberts in the role with Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney out. Mm-hmm. He had eight catches, 122 yards, and a touchdown. And now you've got the Cougars of BYU, Matt, going on the road to Autzen. This won't be a night game, 1230 Pacific, 330 Eastern kickoff. Uh, but Oregon played Eastern Washington a couple weeks ago to kind of get their bearings straight. They're a three-and-a-half-point favorite are the Ducks with a total of 58. Does BYU keep it rolling here as uh, coming off of a very impressive win over a top-10 team in Baylor last week as the trend was the top nine teams uh, did not cover in the AP Top 25 does BYU keep it rolling, or is this a potential letdown spot on the road against the Ducks of Oregon? There's no letdown spots here because BYU has a schedule, Tim, that if the Cougars can run the table. You go to the playoff. 12-0, and they're a playoff team. Uh, they've still got home game. They've got Notre Dame on a neutral here in Vegas, a home game against Arkansas, uh, also a, a see, home ga- a road game Stanford against Stanford, at the end of road, a road yep. game against Boise State. So. The schedule's strong enough that if BYU runs the table, it's going to be a playoff team. Agreed. So you've got to win this game in uh, Eugene against the Ducks, and that's going to be a tough challenge. But I'm not afraid to bet against Bo Nix. One thing, I, I didn't have many winners last week in college football, unfortunately. I did have BYU and got kind of lucky with this one. Uh, BYU was a three-point favorite when we sat here last yep. week. Number dropped to two and a half. The next day we got the news that the top two receivers, Nakua, and Romney were going to be out, which was bad news. Uh, but BYU offense found ways to compensate for that. And what I like about this BYU team is really physical on both lines of scrimmage. And uh, you could see that against Baylor. Uh, typically, I think Baylor would overpower a lot of teams at the line of scrimmage. That didn't happen against BYU. The Cougars were able to run the ball. I, I've liked this a lot about this team Going back to the offseason, we talked about 19 starters back, all 11 on defense. This is a very mature team, one of the most five most mature teams in college football in terms of returning production. I'm not sure what to think of Oregon yet, but I didn't have a very high opinion or rating on the Ducks in the preseason. And uh, I actually took four with BYU here. It's uh, I've got two tiers to my plays this week, best bets like the first-class plays, and then the coach plays. <laughs> this is a coach play on BYU at a plus four because I do think this is going to be a tough spot on the road against a Ducks team that got embarrassed against Georgia and is uh, looking to bounce back. And I think BYU, off that uh, really physical overtime game against Baylor, not a great spot here on the road for the Cougars. And, Tim, I've been trying to find some information on the receivers this week. I, I, I can't find out if Romney and Nakua are going to be back. They were late scratches last week, so I would expect that they're going to be on the field because when we sat here last week, the report I read was they were expected to play. So I'm kind of banking on those guys being on the field. If that's the case, I want the four points with BYU, but it's not a big play for me. Yeah, and I would echo that. Uh, Puka Nakua and, uh, and Romney being out, uh, I think you know you see it a lot in sports where teams rise up with, with some of their best players out, but how does that second game right. You know, now there's tape out on Chase Roberts, who, you know, went for a buck 22 against Baylor. It's now a road environment as opposed to being at home in Provo. So uh, I'm going to hold off. Uh, I would uh, I would lean towards Oregon uh, if the word comes out that Nakua and Romney are out again. Uh, This line is uh, is interesting to me, considering it's at three and a half. It it feels like it's, 
you know, kind of dangling out there, tempting you to take those points on yeah. the road. And Circus had the highest number of four. Yeah. And Circus a sharp book. So I, I would uh, I would lean towards the Ducks. Bo Nix always seems to be a bit better at home than he was in the road, going oh, back yeah. to his days at Auburn. Uh, they've won 20 straight at home, have the Ducks. Uh, so I would, uh, I'm going to wait and see, but uh, it would be Ducks or pass for me. Final one on the main course, Michigan State at Washington. This is fascinating when you incorporate the game of the year lines that were put out over the summer here in Las Vegas. Uh, Chris Andrews and the folks over at South Point opened this in June. Michigan State minus six and a half. And right now, Matt, it has been a steady stream of Washington money as they are now a three and a half point favorite, a total of 56 and a half. Is this a situation where we may have gotten a little carried away with, you know, a Michael Penix, Kalen DeBoer, couple good games we haven't seen really much from either team and i'll keep uh, you know the the one uh note i'm kind of keeping an eye on is Jaden reed's health uh, he got hurt against akron there for michigan state is he going to be healthy similar to the romney and uh, nakua news uh, mel tucker's been pretty mum over whether or not he'll be available but michigan state 11th in the country is catching three and a half mm. on the road uh, a night game or i guess late afternoon game 7 30 eastern 4 30 pacific out in seattle you know, I didn't even know Michigan State was ranked 11th until you said it. I don't look at the polls that much. <laughs> polls are worthless to uh, betters in most cases. Do you really believe Michigan State? No. No, it's not the no. 11th ranked team. Get it, get out of here with that nonsense. Uh, you know, I give Chris Andrews and anybody who puts college numbers up first over the summer a lot of credit because it's tough to do. It's a lot tougher than putting up NFL numbers. Uh, but – the number he put up on Michigan State-Washington, I thought at the time, this Michigan State shouldn't be a six-and-a-half-point favorite in Seattle. I would have made that number three, probably Michigan State three. Now we're seeing it flipped in the other direction. Kalen DeBoer was a great coaching hire mm-hmm. uh, by Washington. and uh, Wins everywhere he goes. Yeah, and Michael Penix, I think the jury's out on him a little bit, but uh, he has played well in the first couple games. And, you know, with DeBoer as his coach, you're going to get the best – uh, from Penix, I think. So I don't really have a strong opinion here, Tim. This is a pass for me. It's kind of a coin flip type of game where uh, I don't see a clear edge to either side. So I know a couple a couple sharp betters I respect are on the Michigan State side, but I'm, I'm going to pass on this one. Yeah, I know a frequent guest on, on uh, your Sunday bet prep show, Scott Spritzer. He was on VEASAN primetime on Wednesday night, and he took the points uh, when it got up to three and a half with mm-hmm. Michigan State. I laid two uh, with Washington early on, uh, three and a half, probably a pass for me. Um, so uh, we'll see. But uh, Washington, you know, they do have a great home field advantage, uh, but this might be a, maybe a little bit too much of an overreaction to wins over, uh, you know, Kent State and Portland State. Uh, you know, but Michigan State, I'll say this, didn't look great against Western Michigan in their opener. They played Akron. You know, I don't know if you can really glean anything off of beating Akron. I, just, I don't know how good Michigan State is. This is not the Spartans of a year ago with Kenneth Walker in the they backfield. They, they have multiple, you know, grad transfers or transfers in the backfield, but they're mm-hmm. not Kenneth Walker. I mean, Kenneth Walker was uh, was a difference maker, and there's a reason he was drafted second round in the NFL draft. All right, that's going to do it for the main course but let's get to uh, the favorite segment of Matt Newman's because it gets him thinking about some spicy salsa, the spicy matchups of the weekend. 
spicy matchups. All right, Matt. Spicy. Speaking of that, I just came from McDonald's where I had two of those uh, spicy McChicken sandwiches. <laughs> that's got to be one of your go-tos. <laughs> well, that's a, believe it or not, that's a frequent breakfast. I don't, I don't know if this is a spicy matchup mm-hmm. or not. I could have okay. put this in big boys with big spreads, but I'll throw it in there because it is an SEC game. Number yeah. one, Georgia. At South Carolina, the Gamecocks have not looked impressive, in my opinion, the first two weeks of the season. Spencer Rattler kind of turning out to be what we all kind of thought he was uh, at the end of his run there at Oklahoma. So you get this Georgia team. uh, Last week they played, I believe, Samford of the SCS. uh, Unimpressive, but whatever, 33-0 non-cover against Samford. So Georgia laid a big old number on the road. I know, Matt, you are one who gets intrigued Mm. by seeing – Home teams catching a whole bunch of points. Any interest to get in front of this Georgia freight train catching, uh, laying 24 and a half at South Carolina? Not interested. Not going <laughs> to jump in front of that one. Uh, I think Georgia right now is uh, proving it's the number one team in college football. And, and Stetson Bennett has gone from being a guy who was disrespected as a game manager to a guy who's actually a playmaker uh, right now. He's, he's been looking pretty good. Uh, Michelle Musburger of VSEN set me up on a radio show with uh, in South Carolina a week ago, and uh, they wanted to grill me about the South Carolina Auburn game. And I said, "Well, you know, in, in week one, Spencer Rattler was the lowest-rated quarterback in the SEC, and the Gamecocks are going on the road here against an Arkansas team that's uh, probably going to beat them up and win by double digits." And these guys were upset by my prediction that Arkansas was going to win that game. Arkansas won. The were game you correct? <laughs> Arkansas won the game 44-30, more physical team. South Carolina's still got a ways to go. Tim, you and I, I think, talked about it last week. The Gamecocks had a couple of fluke scores the previous mm-hmm. week. and uh, They were outgained by Georgia State. Yeah. They had two block punts, a 50, multiple 50-yard field goals. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not that impressed with the way South Carolina's played so far. And I think uh, what you're going to see here is a lot of people betting Georgia in the first half, too. You're gonna, that's going to be kind of where Alabama has been a really public play for the last how many years? Ten years? Alabama first half? 19-7-1 now after losing last week in yeah. the first half, last yeah. two years. Uh, um, I typically don't make those bets, but I know they're popular with a lot of people to play the first half. I just think George is too likely to roll in this game, so uh, I'm not going to jump in front of George. Well, if you're interested in that first half bet, it looks like DraftKings still has a 14 out there. Everywhere else is 14 and a half or higher. Uh, I know a game that you're involved in. I'm actually involved in too. I think this is uh, maybe a buy low spot. Catching LSU as a home night dog. Can't make too much about playing Southern. They're up 51 nothing last week, but uh, they're taking on Mississippi State. They have looked impressive uh, the first two weeks of the season. Uh, they cover late night against Arizona last weekend. Does Mississippi State beat up on Memphis week one, and now they're laying points on the road against LSU. This opened three at Circa. Uh, I was able to jump in and cra- grab the three. It is down to two and a half pretty much across the board. Uh, what do you see on uh, on Saturday night at Death Valley? Yeah. LSU hosting Mississippi State. Yeah, like I say, I make my own numbers on Saturday night, usually on about 20 or 25 games. There are some games you know you're not going to bet. Yeah. You just don't want to waste time making a number. I made LSU a one-and-a-half-point favorite. So just like you, when those numbers open at Circa, I'd grab three, uh, plus three, and I was surprised to see Mississippi State open as uh, a road favorite. But that's the second week in a row, and I got burned. I bet against Mississippi State last week. I think I was burned more by Arizona's poor quarterback play in that game than anything. Will Rogers, uh, the 
MSU quarterbacks off to a hot start. 763 yards, nine touchdowns. And um, Mississippi State can look uh, look pretty good when uh, their pass offense is clicking. But the problem is they, they have trouble running the ball. And I think they're going to have a lot of trouble running the ball in this game against the LSU defense. Jaden Daniels, aside from that first half against Florida State, looks like he's starting to find a groove in the offense, even though you can't make too much of a game against Southern last week. Uh, I don't... I don't have a long list of reasons why I like LSU in this game, even, even though I do think Jaden Daniels has picked up the Kelly offenses and play, play him better. If you give me LSU as a, let's say, a field goal home dog in a, game that, yeah, in a game that Brian Kelly needs to win against Mike Leach, I'll take Brian Kelly. And uh, I think Kelly and the, the Tigers were really unlucky in that first game. And, you know, they got off to a poor start in the first half too. But I think this LSU team still got a chance to – uh, maybe win seven or eight games if they get their act together. This is a, a must-win type of game early in the season before the schedule gets really tough. And it's a play on my numbers as much as anything where I make LSU a small favorite and I'm catching two and a half or three, I'm going to play it with uh, what I think is a better coach. Staying in the SEC, uh, a non-conference game. We saw it last year, Matt. Number 22 Penn State goes down between the hedges, to, to or not between the hedges, down to uh, Auburn, uh, and they will uh, be laying three on the road. Uh, Auburn, not impressive last week. Maybe a look-ahead spot uh, to Penn State. They played San Jose State. Uh, they actually trailed at the half in that one, ultimately pulled it out 24-16. to 16. Uh, Tank Bigsby is, uh, is going to be leaned on a lot, I imagine, in this one. Had 13 carries for 51 yards against San Jose State, who, by the way, really looked uh, lackluster in their season opener against mm-hmm. Portland State. Uh, but, you know, thinking back to those game of the year lines, this was opened up Auburn minus one. It has moved four points. It's staying steady there. Penn State lay in three. Uh, Nittany Lions laying points on the road against the Tigers. I'll just say this, not a play for me. I just can't trust Brian Harson. Uh, but I'm not going to be laying three with Penn State here on the road. Yeah, I'd be surprised if Brian Harson's still the coach at Auburn after this season. I was surprised when he was hired. Then. Yeah. Uh, it seemed like a, a very bad fit. But I wrote about this game a little bit. It's up on vcin.com in my uh, top plays this week. I just think you have to avoid overreacting to Auburn's unimpressive start. T.J. Finley has not played well at quarterback. He's got one TD pass, three interceptions in two games. Uh, Tigers needed a second-half comeback to beat San Jose State. Yeah, that's uh, not a good sign. But look at this game a little bit more. I think Tank Bigsby is going to be the guy that uh, Auburn's going to lean on here, one of the toughest runners in the SEC. And uh, this is still a Penn State defense that gave up 365 yards passing to Purdue in that season opener. And Sean Clifford pulled that one out of the fire with a late drive, last-minute touchdown drive. Purdue should have won that game. Uh, Penn State was fortunate to win that thing on the road, and I think Penn State's going to be in a similar situation here at Auburn. Tim, I made the number Auburn minus 2.5. And, and for Penn State to be a three-point favorite, that's, that's a big flip in terms of, like I said, my numbers are not always right, but I have to, I have to trust my numbers when I'm making plays. And uh, Auburn is a home dog. A team that I think should be a slight favorite. It's going to be a play for me. And uh, I was just was not all that impressed with what I've seen from Penn State so far. So I'm not sure why this number has flipped so much from where it was 
in the preseason. Auburn plus three is one of my best bets this week. All right, there you go. We will recap all our best bets at the end of the podcast. Keep it rolling along. A team that got a ton of hype. Uh, we, we mentioned some bet regrets. Uh, one of my biggest regret in our week one podcast was not taking the points with East Carolina. That was a game I had talked about all summer long, uh, chickened out last second, and uh, <laughs> NC State was fortunate to get out of Greenville with a win. Uh, now a really interesting non-conference showdown against Texas Tech. NC State's laying 10 here. I, I would love to take the points with Texas Tech, but I hate the situational spot. They just needed overtime in an emotionally charged game against Houston. Um, you know, Donovan Smith was had his ups, had his downs, threw three picks in that game. Super athletic quarterback filling in uh, for Tyler Shuck, who went down uh, in that opener against Murray State. I- I'm not... I was not one of these people all in on the NC State hype train, um, but they're laying 10 at home. So uh, if Texas Tech was coming off of Murray State, I would be much more inclined to look towards the Red Raiders here. I think Joey McGuire is a great hire by Texas Tech. Zach Kitley comes over from Western Kentucky. If anyone remembers what they were able to do offensively last year. So uh, an intriguing game, night game down in Raleigh. Pass for me. Uh, but uh, if it wasn't for that overtime win last week against Houston, I would probably look at the Red Raiders. Uh, Donovan Smith, you talked about it. He There was some good and there was some bad, but it looked like Tech was going to lose that game. It was fourth and 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that's one that's going to give Dana Holger some nightmares. That's just sick for Houston to lose a game. That was a lucky win for Texas Tech. The Red Raiders go on the road after that, and I don't like the situation for him here. So uh, I'm going to pass on this one. couple games uh, to wrap up the, the spicy matchups of the weekend. We've got Texas at home taking on UTSA and then Fresno State at number seven Dude, I USC. Think these are two of the most fascinating games of the weekend. So let's get to UTSA at Texas. So UTSA uh, made me a loser on one of my best bets last week. I took the points with Army at two and a half. Game goes to overtime. I think you should get a win for that because I, I bet that 60 minutes in, Matt, it would be a, a, a tie game. Uh, well, I'll tell you a, a quick funny story about that. I, w- I was out at Station Casinos, Red Rock Station last yeah. week, and I was going to bet Army. And I walked up to the counter. I was like, yeah, should I take the money line or the two and a half? Cause I just, and while I was walking to the counter, I flipped from two and a half to three. So I took Army plus oh. three. That's a lucky break. <laughs> huh? lucky. But Army, I, Army, I did not huh? get that lucky. Thought Army probably should have won. The yeah, game. up 14 points. But UTSA has been in, in a couple wild coin flip games here early in the season. Lost one, one, one. So what's interesting about this line is we're sitting here on Thursday afternoon uh, recording this. The line keeps slowly creeping back towards the opener of Texas. So this is now <laughs> sitting at 13. It was opened at 14. Saw a steady stream. Got as low as 10, Matt. Yes. And now has bounced all the way back up. I really want to bet UTSA here. Um, Quinn Ewers is obviously out. What a loss for Texas. You're coming off of just a gut punch of a game, a game you probably should have won, Matt, against Alabama. Everything in, uh, involved in that. Biggest attendance in the history of uh, of Texas. And now you got UTSA, about an hour 15 from Austin. First time in school history they're playing Texas. I think you can make a strong argument, especially with Hudson Card maybe being out on Saturday, that Frank Harris could be the best quarterback in this game, UTSA's quarterback. He's been playing really well. So, you know, I don't know why the number keeps trickling back up. If it gets to 14, I'm jumping all over it. Uh, and even at 13, I probably would take the points. Maybe it's a sucker bet, uh, but I think it's a clear letdown spot for Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, give me the Roadrunners, a, a well-coached team, 
Uh, and I would love sincere McCormick being on this team for this yeah. game. Uh, but my, my biggest worry uh, why I think Texas could win this game is B. John Robinson. Does B. John Robinson just go absolutely nuclear, run for 200 yards? And, Probably. And just, you know, basically plant ro- the roadrunners into the turf. Well, if you can play uh, B. John Robinson rushing prop over, do it. Because yeah. uh, he's going to be the focus of the offense here. It looks like Charles Wright could be the starting quarterback for Texas, a redshirt freshman from Austin High School who's never attempted a pass in his career. So if Hudson Card can't go, it's Charles Wright, the number three quarterback. That's uh, quite a downgrade from Quinn Ewers to Charles Wright in uh, one week. When Ewers, I agree with you, if if he doesn't get knocked out of that game, Texas beats Alabama. 100%. And in fact, Bama got bailed out on two big calls by the officials in that game. Took one non-call on a hold. Clear hold on the corner. Clear hold on the uh, on the run, and what I thought should have been a safety uh, that wasn't called too. So Bama got kind of bailed out in that game, but Texas a lot of pats on the back this week for the Longhorns. Moral victory, losing to Alabama twenty-one twenty. That atmosphere was uh, electric mm-hmm. in Austin. This is going to be UTSA Super Bowl, Tim, and uh, Frank Harris played really well, three thirty-seven and three fifty-nine. His passing yards in the first two games, uh, like you said, he's going to be the best quarterback on the field. I'm going to split this bet up. I'm playing UTSA half unit in the first half and UTSA half unit for the game, and I'm going to wait. I might grab the 13. I didn't think this number is going to go back up. Like I said, you can see on my sheet here, I made numbers on yep. uh, Saturday night. I, I made Texas 10, mm. and it opened 14. And you said it kind of surprised me it's moving back. The 13. I thought it was going to move, continue to move to 10 with the news that Charles Wright could be the quarterback. Well, I'll tell you this right now. I'm looking at it. Uh, UTSA plus seven in the first half. Uh, I, I really like that. That's, yeah. a, that's a good call because I do wonder if the depth just kind of gets to UTSA. Also, they've played in two straight overtime games. Eventually, you know, you look at these these teams aren't built the same way depth-wise as, as, as these power fives are. So the energy there, you know, maybe a sluggish start for a quarterback mm-hmm. making his first start. Likely, not official, but likely uh, there with Hudson Card banged up. So, yeah, I think plus seven first half is a really good look. Uh, I'll join you on that one. Uh, last one, late night. We love the late night games. Fresno State at number seven, USC. Look, USC, they're tremendous offensively. Uh, There's no denying that, Matt. Uh, But their defense, we'll see. Um, You know, Rice (laughs) was able to get yards on them. Uh, uh, Uh Stanford, excuse me, was able to get yards on them. But they have been opportunistic, maybe a bit lucky. I would say more lucky than opportunistic. But they're plus eight in the turnover margin right now. Uh, You and I are big Jake Hayner guys. And can he sling it around? I know he had some big quotes this week saying that USC was his dream school, didn't get recruited by him, kind of said it with a smirk on his face. So Fresno State goes into USC, goes into the Coliseum, a night game. Uh, They're catching 12 uh, against, uh, against USC. And as you mentioned, you know, sometimes take a look at what books have what, right? We think that Circa for college football, probably the sharpest uh, maybe in the world, um, they're at 11 and a half. Everywhere else is at 12. Not a mm-hmm. huge discrepancy, but still just kind of tells you something. Uh, is Fresno intriguing enough in this spot against USC for you? Not quite. <laughs> I can't quite get there, Tim. I made uh, USC minus 15 mm. and Circa open 12. And I, I made this 15 after I watched the replay of Oregon State Fresno. And I was already furious at the end of the game because I had Fresno and the lost on the last play of the game. And I I waffled on that all week, and I made a late decision. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and play Fresno. You talk about regrets? I wish I hadn't played Fresno. I've been pissed off about that game for five days.
Okay. You mad huh? after a loss? You get no. pissed off too. That's why I think you get. I get more mad. I think you get even angrier than I do about losses, and I, I throw TVs around sometimes. But uh, uh, Fresno's defense was so bad in that game, Tim. And this is not an explosive Oregon State offense. And the Beavers went up and down the field against Fresno. So what's USC going to do? I don't want to. And I've, I've been really high on Fresno since the offseason. My pick to win the Mountain West over the win total of eight and a half and all that. Uh, but after watching the Fresno defense last week, I don't think I can get there. Uh, USC uh, last week, probably I, I had Stanford and that was a loser. Uh, I took Stanford plus uh, nine, I think, in that game and lost by 13, 41 to 28. USC should have put up 60 points in that game. Uh, kind of let off the gas and had a couple of uh, breakdowns in the second half when the game got kind of bogged down. But I'm not sure how Fresno is going to get stops here. Now it's going to be the total 74 and a half. Right, right. And we knew these USC totals were going to get sky high. I don't think the USC defense is going to get a lot of stops on Fresno either. Jake Hayner, you talked about his dream job, his his dream school would have been USC to be the quarterback. He went to the Rose Bowl and beat UCLA in one of the great performances oh my God, by what any a game quarterback last, year. Uh, last season. He's going to have to play just that well to give uh, the Bulldogs a chance uh, to pull the upset here. I'm concerned, Tim, over the over 60 minutes where Fres- whether Fresno can keep pace with this USC offense. And I hate to play over a total of 74 that's so high, uh, but I, I don't see either defense getting many stops in this game. And I'm, I'm so disgusted by the way Fresno de- <laughs> defended that last series of the game. Did you watch the last play of the game? Yeah. Oregon State brought in the Wildcat quarterback. The linebacker. Yeah. Uh, Coletto, the, Jack Coletto, the wild, the Wildcat quarterback, and the commentator even says, every time Coletto comes in, he either runs right up the middle or off the right side. So Fresno, of course, puts no defenders on the left side of the defensive line, and Coletto walks into the end zone on the last play of the game. What are you doing? Jeff Tedford and his staff asleep at the wheel. I've been so upset about that game. I can't bet Fresno again this week. That's it. They're on the no. They're on the no fly list for Matt's. All right, let's uh, let's rifle through these next games. We call it Big Boys with Big Spreads. Big Boys with Big Spreads. All right, we'll do three at a time, and you know any uh-huh. uh, any little nugget here. You're not a big fan of land numbers, nor am I, especially these size, but. Number two, Alabama, 49 and a half against UL Monroe. Number three, Ohio State, 32 against Toledo. And then Michigan continues its daunting non-conference schedule as they welcome in the mighty Huskies of UConn. They're laying 47. Uh, Godspeed to UL Monroe. I bet you it was a brutal week of practice. I'm sure Saban lit into his team. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I, I'm not getting... I, I, a Alabama, lot of people, a lot of people are questioning half? Alabama. Alabama first half. <laughs> Alabama first half <laughs> might be the way to go uh-huh. uh, in that one. Toledo's a good team, uh, but Jackson Smith and Jigba is back. Fleming is back for Ohio State, so we'll see if uh, if they get uh, if they get things rolling there. Um, Clemson is laying thirty three, Matt, against Louisiana Tech. Uh, tragedy uh, regarding Brian Brissy, uh the edge rusher for uh, Clemson. His uh, younger daughter. A younger sister, excuse me, passed away. Uh, so you imagine that'll be an emotionally charged atmosphere there. Uh, no word. I would imagine Brissy will not be playing in that game. Uh, that'll be a night game. Uh, I want to point out this game. Arkansas is at home against Missouri State. 
You know why I'm bringing this game Bobby up? Bobby Petrino. Bobby Petrino, the return of the neck brace in this game. Also, maybe a look ahead for Arkansas. They just smashed South Carolina. Next week, they're at A&M. Two weeks from now, they're at Bama. Um, I don't know if those players give a crap at all about Bobby Petrino being on the other sideline, uh, but a little interesting thing there. I don't think they do. I don't think they care about Petrino at this point. And only some of the... Uh... I guess most fired up fans really care about it. I think the most fascinating aspect of this is uh, all the stories I've heard in recent years, and you probably heard some of them too, about the supposed motor motorcycle crash. Yeah, Petrino was in it. Why he was in, Comes the, neck in the neck race? race. <laughs> uh, let's let's just put it this way: he might have gotten the crap beat out of him by an angry boyfriend, and was not in a motor motorcycle crash. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Tim? Have you heard some of those stories? I'll plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> I just said maybe. Maybe that's what happened. We don't know for sure. Uh, but, uh, Bobby Petrino going back is um, probably going to get beat up by a really good Arkansas team. I I don't have a play here. I'm looking forward to uh, – I'd love it if BYU could win this week. I'm really looking forward to the Arkansas-BYU game in Provo in the middle of October, by the way. Why BYU – or why Arkansas would accept that game in the middle of SEC right. conference to go out west to Provo is, is beyond me. Uh, Tennessee and Florida, Matt – they play next weekend. This weekend, uh, Tennessee's got the mighty zips of Akron uh, coming off their win in overtime over Pittsburgh. And then a, a game that uh, our colleague here at VEASAN, Wes Reynolds, wrote up. He took the points with uh, the Bulls of South Florida. Thought maybe this was, uh, I don't know, a letdown spot after a loss to Kentucky. Maybe a look ahead for Tennessee. Uh, so he's taking the points with the Bulls uh, from South Florida. A couple more games to, to mention and see if you have any thoughts. Utah laying 21, big number. Uh, home against San Diego State has looked very unimpressive. Uh, revenge game, maybe, for Pitt on the road in Kalamazoo. Remember, they lost uh, last year to Western Michigan, uh, laying just 10 uh, in that one. Uh, I think it's kind of a letdown spot, too. If you look at After the, the loss? The first two games yeah. Pitt have played have been West wild. West Virginia and then, and then Emotionally uh, wild Tennessee. games. And then uh, now you have to go on the road to play a MAC team. I think this is a dangerous spot. I kind of like Western Michigan. Yeah, That's the... That's a play I've got circled as a potential one for Saturday. Western Michigan beat Pitt and Kenny Pickett 44-41 to last season. You can get a 10.5 out there if yeah. you look around. Uh, you can find a 10.5 out there if you do like uh, the Broncos. Wake Forest, I think this is a tricky spot for Wake Forest, uh, playing Liberty. Uh, they're laying 16.5 here next week. Wake Forest, I think, is a real good opportunity to uh, to host college game day with Clemson yeah. coming to town. So I think situationally, kind of a tricky spot there for Wake Forest hosting Liberty. Uh, Charlie Brewer is uh, was lost for the season early on, uh, but Liberty, I, I feel like, hasn't really necessarily skipped a beat, Matt, uh, with uh, with Salter coming in as their as their QB there. So uh, that was a game that intrigued me a little bit. Liberty catching the points against Wake Forest and just a weird spot, right? You get last week, Sam Hartman returns. They look good. They beat Vanderbilt. Mm -hmm. They cover. Next week, they have Clemson coming to Winston-Salem in the middle. And you know Liberty gets up for these games against power conference no teams, question. too. That's, a, that's one of those classic sandwich spots when you're talking about you hear handicappers throw out terms like that. That's this one. You've, you've got it uh, for Liberty. By the way, that Western Michigan game. Tim, you don't just waltz into Waldo Stadium and walk out with an easy win and cover. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as cool of a name as what is it the glass bowl in Toledo right, but right. uh yeah uh so there you go there's some big boys with big spreads before Matt we get to our big bet our best bets recap let's take a look at some off the radar games 
Off the radar. And we'll start with, I can't believe it's an off the radar game now, but they're not ranked anymore for the first time since 2017. That, of course, being the mighty fighting Irish of Notre Dame, Matt. Uh, They're taking on Cal. Green jerseys with names on the back, which is uh, an interesting Mm. little wrinkle. Um, You know, it's been kind of a a come-to-Jesus type of weekend. Tyler Buckner lost for the year uh, with a shoulder injury, meaning Drew Pine will get the start. Uh, Tyler, Tommy Reese and Al Golden, the coordinators, both spoke to the media this week trying to say it's not, you know, panic time. I'm not going to lay the 11 with Notre Dame here, but I do have a play on this game. I expect, and maybe I'm the biggest idiot ever, which is very possible, uh, that Cal's going to get shut down by Notre Dame defensively. I think this team is pissed off an opportunity at home. And uh, I was, I think the Notre Dame defense, more so than anything, Matt, has to look back at the game tape against Marshall and want to vomit all over itself. Miss tackles, miss read, you know, read options. And it's not like Cal is anything uh, to write home about when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. So uh, at DraftKings right now, team total for Cal is 14 and a half. I took the under. Yeah. It's a risky play because, uh, you know, a pick six or a, a fumble by Notre Dame gives Cal good field position. So you're not you're working with a small margin there. But I expect Notre Dame to really kind of bog them down. You look back at the Cal-UNLV game. I mean, Cal had to hold on for dear life in that game. <laughs> yeah. uh, Cal, I think, had 36 yards on the last four drives. First game of the year against UC Davis, they had negative one yard in the first uh, first quarter. Mm-hmm. Jack Plummer is a guy that Notre Dame knows from his time at Purdue. Uh, so I expect Notre Dame to win this game ugly, like 17 to 12, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, but I, I, I think they win defensively. I'll take the team total under for uh, for Cal in this one. If it, if it finishes 17 to 12, I'll buy you dinner at Barry's. <laughs> uh, and I'll also, y'all need eyeball replacements because I'll gouge them out on Saturday be, afternoon. That would be a hell of a call. 17 12. 17 12. Notre Dame over Cal. Uh, no thank you. I think the 12 might be right. Uh, actually, I'd kind of be surprised if Cal even gets to double digits in this game. Jack Plummer. Quarterback to much better Purdue offense in South Bend last year and lost that game 27-13. to He got benched after that game. This Cal offense is uh, pretty poor. And I think you're right about Notre Dame being a high, highly motivated defense, just a highly motivated team in general. Uh, much stronger on the offensive and defensive lines. I think we'll control this game. It's not one of my best bets, but if, I, if I'm going to play it, I'm going to play the Irish. And I would look under the total. I think it's going to be a lower scoring game where – I'm not sure Cal gets to 10 points. Uh, one game that uh, has become more intriguing because of the way Syracuse has started the year. Uh, Purdue is a team you know well. Obviously, Syracuse has gotten off to a 2-0 start. Uh, very impressive week one against Louisville. Looks even better that Louisville went down to UCF and won last Friday night. They go to UConn, take care of business, win and cover. Uh, Syracuse laying a point against Purdue, Matt. I bet uh, Syracuse at the opener here at uh, Circa plus three. Wow. I was surprised Purdue opened as a three-point road favorite. I actually made Purdue a one-point road favorite here, so it's not a big difference. Uh, but anytime I can get a home dog with a full field goal on the opener, I'm going to take it. Garrett Schrader, 79% completion so far. Syracuse has outscored Louisville and UConn 79-21. to I think it's been a pretty impressive showing so far for Dino Baber's team. It's not one of uh, my best bets, Tim. Like I said, I've got first class and coach plays. This is a coach play this week, but I've, <laughs> I, I would still recommend Syracuse here at a round eight. I'd pick him. I do think this is a coin flip type of game. One thing about Jeff Brom 
and uh, the Boilermakers, they, they tend to play pretty well on the road in the dog roll especially. Uh, so I wouldn't get carried away with the number here, but I think this is another one of those kind of like the Oregon State-Fresno game we watched Saturday, yeah. a coin flip type of game that's going to come down uh, to the last – uh, probably to the last few minutes. Tucker's going to score a, a touchdown with no time to go, except to give you a win, uh, this one. Uh, Robert <laughs> Anye is uh, the offensive coordinator, came from uh, Virginia uh, when Bronco Mendenhall retired. That was mm-hmm. a big hire uh, by Dino Babers. Uh, another play that I have, and uh, maybe I got the worst of the number, we'll see. Uh, I took the points in a situational spot uh, with Tulane. Uh, Tulane, I took the 14 and a half. It's down to 14 now. Uh, open 20 here at Circa. Um, you know, we don't know much about Tulane. Uh, their two wins against UMass and Alcorn State, they've outscored them 94 to 10. They brought back 18 starters, yeah. added Lawrence Keyes, uh, transfer from Notre Dame, who's already caught, caught a touchdown. Michael Pratt is back as their uh, quarterback, an athletic quarterback. Uh, Tajay Spears, their running back, is back. Uh, they bring back pretty much everything from last year's team that went 2-10. and ten. Uh, I will point that out. It's not like they were a great team last year. You know, look, Deuce, Va- Deuce Vaughn's tremendous, and he could be the reason I lose this bet. 145 yards on the ground last week against Missouri as they won by four touchdowns. But I do think it's a little bit of a letdown look-ahead you know, sandwich here. Next week, Kansas State goes on the road to Norman. They just beat Missouri at home by four touchdowns. Now, you could roll your eyes and say, well, it's Missouri. Still an SEC team, old Big 12 rival, and they mopped the floor uh, with Missouri. And now you're playing Tulane. I know they've gotten buzz from the helmets that they're wearing with the you know goofy guy on the, on the side of the helmet. I just think it's a tricky spot. Was happy to get 14 and a half, would still play it at 14. Uh, so that's the way I'll roll. Uh, new offensive coordinator, uh, Jim Svoboda coming in. Um, taking over for Chip Long, who was uh, who had worn out his welcome there in Tulane. I'm a Willie Fritz guy, too, a big believer in that. So uh, I'll take the green wave here, catching 14 uh, at the Little Apple and maybe a little sleepy spot for K-State. Yeah, I, I love this K-State team. And uh, Chris Kleiman's got to be high on the list of uh, possible coaching replacements at Nebraska. But this K-State team has got the potential to win the Big 12. But you're right, this is not a great spot for the uh, Wildcats. And uh, Tulane... Even though you said the Green Wave went 2-10 and 10 last season, don't forget, Tulane was a 31-point dog at Oklahoma in last year's season opener and lost that game by 5, Yep, 40-35. to 35. Covered against Cincinnati, too. Yep, 17 starters back from that team, so uh, I like your play here. All right, uh, and uh, just rifling through, I'll give you one more play here in just a moment. SMU Maryland, uh, that's a play that Adam Burke uh, has given out on vcin.com, and we'll give it on here on this. He likes the Terps. In this spot, he thinks it's a little bit of a letdown spot for SMU as they're looking ahead maybe to that revenge game against TCU and the uh, battle for the Iron Skillet next Mm -hmm. weekend down there uh, in Dallas. Kansas at Houston now has become an interesting game. Houston at home coming off their loss. Kansas, very impressive. My bet regret from last week, not officially giving out Kansas plus the 13. Um, Why any Power 5 team... Will schedule North Dakota State is beyond me. Uh, North Dakota State goes to Arizona. Uh, North Dakota State, if you're wondering, has won six consecutive games over FBS opponents. And uh, our friends over at uh, WinBet, Motoy Pearson and uh, Matt Lindeman, opened North Dakota State as a one-point favorite in this game. Well, there was Arizona. a spot. There was a spot or two. I want to say about a month or two ago, where North Dakota State was a six-point favorite. Woo. I think one book even had seven, six or seven. Obviously, Arizona is a little bit better than we thought in the preseason, even though Jaden Delora had a really 
uh, poor performance last week against Mississippi State, the quarterback. Um, I think you got to lean North Dakota State in this game, and I agree with what you said. Why would you even schedule this game if you're Arizona? It's the last time they played a— LSU was playing Southern last yeah. week, and then you're taking on the best of the FBS or FCS teams in North Dakota State. Why would you do this? Speaking of that, last game I want to mention, the last play I have before we give you our best bets recap, Oregon State, we both like Oregon State. I know you're still mad about uh, Jonathan Smith and, uh, and company winning that game. Yeah, I have, so not, they, I have not cooled off in the last they 10 are, minutes, right? Well, hopefully yeah. this will make you happier. They are 2-0. and uh, They beat Boise very impressively as a, a three-point favorite. I actually closed one and a half. And then, of course, they beat Fresno State. Next week, coming to Corvallis is USC. Mm-hmm. This Watch weekend, out. Montana State and it's not in Corvallis. This is the wrinkle I think people are, are overlooking. This is a neutral site game in Portland, Oregon mm-hmm. at the Portland Timbers Stadium. Why this game is on the schedule, I don't know. Montana State, if you're wondering, we mentioned North Dakota State. They lost to North Dakota State in the national championship last year. This is a team that can play. My biggest concern, though, is that Montana State has been ravaged with injuries. Their leading rusher, uh, Isaiah Ifansi, he is out for, for a little bit. He was injured in preseason. Their top four running backs are all banged up. But Oregon State's without their top playmaker, in my opinion. Luke Musgrave, their big uh, tight end, uh, who's got 11 catches and 169 receiving yards and a touchdown already this year, Matt. He's out for this game. Might be out for quite some time there for Oregon State. So, uh, you know, the, the, the line as of now is not out. Uh, anything north of 14, I'm taking Montana State. I think it is a horrible spot. Yeah for Oregon State. Yeah, especially with USC on deck. And I like this Oregon State team a lot. Yeah, me too. Uh, but you got to be looking ahead. You have to have one eye on USC next week, right? Yeah, so for Montana State to go to a neutral site, I think this is a, mm-hmm. a tricky, tricky spot for the Beavers. All right, let's get to our best bets recap to uh, round up the show. Best bet recap. All right, we'll give out Adam Burke real quickly. Uh, he's going against you, Matt. He's taking Mississippi State. He's laying the short number. Uh, with the fighting Mike Leeches. He's taken the uh, road dog in uh, Michigan State plus the three and a half. So me and him sort of head to head there. Hopefully, if everyone could be happy, that could land three. He's taken Maryland minus the two and a half uh, against SMU, which will be a very entertaining, high-scoring game. Mordecai against Little Tua should be a fun matchup there in the quarterbacks. And then he's going under 54 in Colorado State, Washington State. Matt, your best bet recap is who? All right, going with Nebraska. Taking the 11.5 against Oklahoma. Auburn plus three. LSU plus two and a half. Also going to play UTSA. Split the unit. Plus seven first half. Plus 13 for the game. Going to go BYU plus four. And Syracuse, I guess we'll call it minus one right now, right? Yep. And uh, my best bets, I will go Cal team total under 14 and a half, Tulane plus 14, and Montana State, uh, when that number comes out, either Friday or Saturday morning, anything better than 14. Are you going to play North Dakota State? What do you think? I don't know. I'm going to make that decision Saturday, but I kind of lean that way. Arizona coming off a thumping against Mississippi State. Uh, You know, North Dakota State, six straight wins. Last time they played an FCS team or FBS team was Iowa. When they were top 15 in the country, they beat them outright. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, it would be North Dakota State or pass uh, on that one. A couple other uh, ugly, you know, letdown spots uh, that I that I took a bite on, Matt. 
uh, as we not not official plays, but just ones that uh, I would keep on the radar. Uh, Bowling Green uh, taking on uh, Marshall after they just beat Notre Dame. Um, and uh, what was another one that I looked at? Um, Buffalo after they just looked like absolute dog crap against Holy Cross. Uh, catching, I think, north of two touchdowns at Coastal Carolina. So games, not official plays, but ones that I kind of kept on the radar there, uh, potential situational spots. All right, That's Matt. An interesting spot for Marshall. I love to look at flat spots, yep. too. Notre Dame was in a flat spot after the game at Ohio State. Texas in a flat spot this week after the Alabama game. Yeah, I think in uh, Washington State, after they beat Wisconsin, they got Colorado State coming to town. Yep. Uh, that's a, certainly a flat Colorado spot there. And I'll say this. Colorado State's pretty bad. Appalachian State, I know game day is going there. Uh-huh. They better be on their P's and Q's against Troy. Conference game, laying double digits. I think Troy could be, uh, could be live there. All right, that's going to do it for our show. We'll be back uh, with another podcast in your feed. Jonathan Von Tobel, the College Lines Revealed Show. That'll be coming out on Sunday. You can hear it live at 2 p.m. Eastern. Catch it in your feed later on Sunday. Myself, Adam Burke, will be back on late Monday night. But for Matt Humans, I'm Tim Murray. This has been the VEASAN College Football Betting Podcast. Go ahead and cash some tickets this weekend.